This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. The problem we found is the first step is having access to it because you can reach out, but if the patient doesn't understand the system and doesn't know if the colonoscopy is covered or not by their insurance, if they have insurance, if they don't have insurance, then you have the other problem. Okay, I reach out. Uh, they need a colonoscopy or any type of screening test. So what do we do now in a patient that has no insurance? And actually, when we started the program, we had a specific number of colonoscopies we could perform for patients without insurance. But that started to change after expansion of uh, Medicare with uh, Obamacare. And we started to see that a lot of the patients actually had insurance through that program. And that facilitated things. Other thing we saw was that even with insurance, if you don't do the awareness and education part, they might have the insurance. They just don't know they need to do anything about it, anything about colorectal or breast cancer. Welcome to Gastro Broadcast. I'm your host, Dr. Fred Rosenberg. As you may know, March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. The first colonoscopy was performed in 1969, but it wasn't until 1985 when President Ronald Reagan underwent a life-saving examination that the procedure began to attract national attention. It would wait another 10 years before the first screening recommendations were established in the United States. And while much has been accomplished to raise awareness, much more needs to be done to reach our stated goal of screening 75% of the 45 to 75 year old population. That's why I'm excited to speak with today's guest. Dr. Abdul Kavino is Assistant Professor of Surgical Oncology at the Boston University School of Medicine and the Program Director of the Complex Surgical Oncology Program at Roger Williams Medical Center in Providence, Rhode Island. In a recent issue of the journal Cancer, Dr. Calvino shared insights on his patient navigation program that improved colorectal cancer screening rates and reduced the gender gap in screenings among Hispanic patients. Dr. Calvino, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thank you very much, Dr. Rosenberg. It's a pleasure and thank you for having me. We always like to start by getting to know our guests. Tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you develop an interest in becoming a physician? What led you to surgical oncology? Sure. I'm originally from Panama, uh, so Spanish um, is my first language, and that's uh, why some of my interest in the Hispanic population. But uh, talking a little bit more about surgical oncology, when I was 15 years old, my, my grandfather, uh, back in the 70s, um, used to be a, a heavy smoker, and he developed lung cancer. And when I was growing up, I actually leave all the things he had to go through uh, with his lung cancer diagnosis. And that included radiation therapy, then surgery. It was a very tough road. But during that time, I was able to uh, be exposed to medical oncology, surgical oncology. And I always remember when we had a family meeting and the surgical oncologist came into the room and talked to my uh, family, my mom, uh, my grandfather to talk about the surgery. And at that time, um, I was 15 years old, and I, I kind of knew, okay, that's, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do in the future. So I decided to, to become a physician at that point, and then uh, general surgery. Uh, that's the time when I uh, came to the U.S. 
uh, went to UIC, University of Illinois in Chicago, did my general surgery training, then did research on pancreatic cancer. I kind of already knew I was going to go into the oncology world. And um, then my um, um, fellowship in surgical oncology. Dr. Calvino, you developed a navigation program aimed at the Hispanic community. Can you tell us about that? Definitely. So when I first started my practice here in Providence, Rhode Island, and I didn't know this, but 14% of the population in Rhode Island are Hispanics, and half of them live in Providence, Rhode Island, where our cancer center is located. So because I'm from Panama, I speak Spanish, I started having a lot of patients that were Hispanics with uh, colon cancer. And I started to notice that a lot of those patients were not presenting with stage two, which is when the tumor is just located in the colon or the rectum, uh, but most of those patients were presenting with stage three, which means that the tumor has gone to the lymph nodes. And that's not usual. Usually you want a stage one or stage two. So I actually start working with the Rhode Island Department of Health into looking um, to see what was the actual stage of the Hispanic patients in our state. And looking at the numbers, we realized that Hispanic patients in our state uh, were diagnosed and after surgery, they would have a stage three um, staging more than whites. That definitely uh, had something to do with the screening of those patients. And more than just operating on one patient at a time, and because of my Hispanic background, and I also had some uh, experience on, on public health, I started to think, well, what can we do to actually help more in a population-based manner? And patient navigation was one of the things that came uh, into our uh, program. Uh, it started in New York. Uh, Dr. Freeman started patient navigation for other cancers. Uh, and have shown at that time that it was um, useful and that would increase um, um, screening rates. So we try to adapt navigation to our population, which means, well, if we have Hispanic population, we need a program that can actually be culturally and language sensitive towards those patients that could reach out to the community to let them know there is a program to help them and then, and also needs to have a way to facilitate access to some of those patients. So that's how the idea of creating a navigation program for Hispanics started. Did you was was this something that operated just out of your medical center, or did you attempt to engage the primary care doctors and the local gastroenterologists? Yeah. So the first step was to talk with our uh, GI uh, department, and they were all on board. And one of the things they told me is, yes, we'll be on board because a lot of our no-shows, meaning patients that were scheduled, but they just don't come to the to, to get the colonoscopy, um, are Hispanic patients. So they, they were saying, if, you, if there's anything you can do to decrease our no-show rates and uh, improve access, we're on board. And then we talked to um, the Provident Health Centers, which is a federally funded uh, health center system that has a lot of Hispanic patients. And we told them, look, we are putting together this program and we want you to refer any patient, Hispanic patient that you think might benefit. So that's how we started to get a referral from our own system and from the systems around us that um, take care of Hispanic patients. And was the, did you seek to get community involvement? That's right. And that was key in, in the whole process. We work a lot with the Department of Health. We work with a lot of non-for-profits to try to 
get the word that there was a program to help Hispanics. We work with churches and I was actually going to the churches and talking with the community. There is something about a physician talking with the, the community directly that has a, 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 an impact, a positive impact. And that's how we started to kind of get the program started. And um, we were able to get in, in two years, almost 775 patients referred to the program. The problem we found is the first step is having kind of access to it. Because you can reach out, but if the patient doesn't understand the system and doesn't know if the colonoscopy is covered or not by their insurance, if they have insurance, if they don't have insurance, then you have the other problem. Okay, I reach out. Uh, they need a colonoscopy or any type of screening test. So what do we do now in a patient that has no insurance? And actually, when we started the program, we had a specific number of colonoscopies we could perform for patients without insurance, but that started to change after expansion of uh, Medicare with uh, Obamacare. And we started to see that a lot of the patients actually had insurance through that program. And that facilitated things. Other thing we saw was that even with insurance, if you don't do the awareness and education part, they might have the insurance, they just don't know they need to do anything about it anything about colorectal or breast cancer. So as you mentioned, it's multifactorial. You need to have access. You need to understand why you need to do the test. And there are multiple barriers in the process. Tell us about the results of your study. What, what, what were your findings? Yes, so uh, we were able to enroll at almost 700 patients. And what we did is that we followed them and, and try to see, well, how, how long it will take, how many of these patients that have access and that we can navigate, we actually get the colonoscopy. And um, we had a colonoscopy completion rate of 85%, which is above the 80% that was recommended initially um, by the American Cancer Society and then was bring down to 75% when we realized that it's not easy to get to 80 uh, but this patient navigation program show us that if you reach out and you help the patients through the system, they will get the colonoscopy done. We learn a couple of things in the process. One of the main things we learn is that communication with the patient is very important. One of the reasons we couldn't enroll a lot of patients into the program was that they didn't have a working phone number. So the patient would be referred and we would call them and the phone is not working anymore. Or they wouldn't answer. We would send a letter, but they, we wouldn't get any communication back. And um, that was a main barrier. From the patients that were enrolled in the program, um, we realized that a lot of them didn't understand that colonoscopy was part or covered by their insurance. So they were thinking there is a financial cost um, so that was one of the reasons that 15% of patients didn't actually show for the colonoscopy, even with navigation. So financial barriers are still very, very important. Um, some patients uh, would say, look, I cannot uh, uh, be out of work for a day or two to prep and then have the colonoscopy. I won't get paid. Uh, so what we did is that we had a letter that will be going to their uh, 
employers and said, look, this patient is going to have a screening colonoscopy and that's covered. And, you know, by law, they should have the day off pay layoff. But it's still difficult, it's still difficult to have them come. Transportation was a huge problem. Colonoscopy, as you know, needs to be done under sedation or usually it's done under sedation, which means the patients cannot drive back home. They need someone to actually pick them up. And um, that patient needs to sign that they are responsible for the patient. And that sometimes can be a huge barrier. So your study has ended. Is the program still ongoing? The program has stopped with COVID in, uh, back in 2019. Uh, so with COVID, we had to stop the program. We actually were off for almost uh, two years and a half. And just this year, we restarted. And we restarted for colorectal cancer and breast cancer now as well. That's fantastic. And um, after your paper in uh, the journal Cancer, have you heard from other communities looking to replicate what you've done? Yes, definitely. Not only here in Rhode Island, but in Boston, we have a good um, uh, communication with uh, researchers at, at Boston University. And um, I actually went to Philadelphia where they were trying to start a similar program. Uh, over there. So um, a lot of other communities have tried to use this as a framework to uh, community outreach and patient navigation. What kind of feedback have you had from uh, patients that have gone through the program? A lot of our patients. So we did a survey at the end of the navigation to, to pretty much evaluate the navigation process and see what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong. A couple of things that were very positive was that instead of just using a phone navigation, uh, meaning the contact with the navigator would be only by, by phone, when the patient had their, their colonoscopy, they would come in the morning and they will meet the navigator. And then the navigator will have the opportunity to tell them, hi, Mr. Pedro, how are you? I am the navigator who was talking with you that helped you with the letter or that did this and this to, for you to be able to come today. We also made sure the navigator was a um, Spanish speaker with a um, translator or interpreter certificate so they could actually help our GI department. Um, like, for example, if they wanted to ask if the patient ate something, the navigator would be there, would help with translation. And that was very, very important, too. So at the end, we, we had the, the patient fill up a survey. And most of them were very happy with, with the service and they, they felt that they wouldn't have done it without someone helping them uh, to navigate the system. That's fantastic. What advice do you have for doctors in independent GI practices who may want to improve their outreach to the Latino communities um, and, and get more patients involved? Yes. So one of the things that have come time and time with some of the primary care providers and uh, health centers that we work with is the time problem. Um, a lot of them have to see a lot of patients in a very small amount of time. They have 15, 20 minutes to see a patient. And sometimes they don't have uh, the time to actually educate the patients about colonoscopy when they also have to talk about diabetes and cardiovascular problems and so many other problems. So something that is very helpful is to have the patient meet with a navigating nurse or just a lay navigator that has been trained for a screen after their appointments. So they can spend 10 minutes 
educating the patient uh, about why it's important to get um, a screening for colorectal cancer. And we have to, colonoscopy is the best test, um, it's a standard of care, um, allow us not only to identify cancer, but also to prevent cancer. All the other options um, uh, won't help us to prevent cancer, it will help us to, for early detection. But if you have a patient that is a, a high risk for colonoscopy or that for some reason is not going to have the colonoscopy done, as everybody says, the best test is the one that gets done. So there are other options. Those patients should be offered if they are average risk, uh, Cologuard or uh, feet test or uh, FOBT, a stool-based test testing. And I think in that population, offering that type of screening would also help a lot. Dr. Calvino, thank you for shining a light on a, on a problem in our screening for colorectal cancer and for the work you've done and for your advice to our listeners on how to engage uh, a segment of the population that we're not reaching very well. Thank you very much for joining us today on Gastro Broadcast. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.